0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to New Books in Performing Arts, a podcast from the New Books Network. My name is Andy Boyd. Today in the program, I have Uwe Schutte, the author of the book, Craftwork, Future Music from Germany. Uh, Uwe, I love that title, Future Music from Germany. I, I, I'd like to start off by asking you kind of where you got that title. Is that a quotation from somewhere or is that your own uh, invention?
1: Uh, that's my own invention, obviously uh, a book needs a good title a good cover and a good title to attract attention, and I thought long and hard, um, the main title obviously is a no-brainer Kraftwerk, but the subtitle um, was really the problem and, and then of course there are some, well, my four or five books on Kraftwerk around, some do have, I won't mention those titles, but some of those titles are pretty cool um, so that was the added uh, problem of finding something that is equally cool, possibly even better, um, but not kind of nicking a good idea from someone else. So that's why I came up with um, that title. Um, I can say a little bit more about the future music thing, if you wish. Sure, yeah, let's,
0: let's start with that.
1: Um, because that is a sort of kind of, um, again, triviality or or obvious thing that electronic music is future music, because it's sort of all these weird sounds. I mean, at least to people of my generation, um, electronic music uh, is always the kind of science fiction, future music type of um, association, whereas obviously rock and roll, Beatles, Stones, that, Points towards the past, um, may be different for for newer generations, but um, future music is also the English translation of the German word Zukunftsmusik, um, and that is a term invented by Richard Wagner, the um, opera bloke, yeah, the uh, inventor of the sort of of this this extended idea of what an opera could look like, and and in the eighteenth and uh, nineteenth century, his goal, his aim that he um, described in an essay um, called Future Music was um, to write music, classical music, opera at the time, obviously, that... sounded like, oh, unheard of. That was music from the future, if you like. Yeah, the future's music here today. And that's what he wanted to do. Um, and and so these, this notion of Zukunftsmusik is something that is not just kind of trivial synthesizer sounds to some science fiction uh, film type of thing, but uh, also has this uh, cultural historical tradition pointing to a specific thing, uh, down to those who know or recognize it, namely Wagner in the nineteenth century, and that's why I'm very happy with the title.
0: And and the other part of the title, from Germany, is important too. <laughs> yeah, that that... Uh, yeah, that, that's also no brain. I mean, yeah, they are from Germany. Um... But but more than that, the the yeah. the way that they kind of engage the question of Germanness and kind of German cultural identity is a big theme in the book. And and you mentioned Wagner; that's no accident. The craftwork as well wanted to create not just. You know record albums but they wanted to create a kind of complete work of art uh, in the way that Absolutely. that, that Absolutely. wagner cared a lot about with with visuals and a stage production and costumes and robots and everything right mm-hmm. so could could you talk a bit more about kind of how craft work kind of engaged with that question of of germanness especially kind of in the in the aftermath of world war ii and the, and the oh, nazi regime
1: yeah. Yeah, well, um, mentioning the aftermath of the World War II, um, you're obviously giving it away. Um, How could anyone uh, like um, 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 Florian Schneider and Ralph Hütte, the two sort of figureheads of Kraftwerk, who grew up were born towards the end of the Second World War and then grew up in the uh, uh, post-war period, how could they not, as Germans, being sort of um, forced to consider what does that mean to be German um, or what's the point of German culture or um, how should German society the future now how how do we attain a better Germany, a good future a future that avoids all these racist and and genocidal um, mistakes of the past Um, and um, the specific cultural um, situation in Germany, generally speaking in the post-war period was that obvious and rightly so um, German culture was tainted anything to do with uh, the word German had been used abused uh, by the Nazis so um, Nazi culture and German-ness were closely related and, and the solution um, for the majority of uh, young people or culture generally in the post-war period popular culture in particular was to kind of strike out the German thing and um, demonstrate an interest uh, in foreign non-German culture American jazz music um, French film um, Italian, well also film or music, whatever. So um, for Germans um, at the time kind of European outlook and internationalist outlook came naturally because anything to do with their home culture was tainted and uh, they tended to avoid that. But um, but so obviously that would mean actually, Kraftwerk should have imitated some foreign um, influences, whatever. But the opposite is of course the case, Kraftwerk and that's the the important, crucial thing. Um, they they kind of took took the hard decision of the the, the the difficult road. They tried to reconsider. Yeah, how could a new German identity, a new German culture, look like, or in the case of music, sound like, and um, and so they looked towards the past for inspiration, but kind of skipped those 12 years from 33 to 45, the Nazi period, and looked in particular at the Weimar period, um, the interwar period in Germany for inspiration, expressionism, the Bauhaus, and all sorts of things. And they looked even further um, into the past um, and, and inevitably ended up... Um, looking at Wagner and this and what you just described or what I described and you described, the Zukunftsmusik, the future music thing and the Gesamtkunstwerk, the total work of art idea, which, of course, interestingly, was revitalized, the total work of art in the uh, interwar period, the Weimar-Germany period. So um, that kind of all provided them with a considerable pool of potential ideas. And from that, they constructed their kind of New contemporary sound, which harked back to a large degree or almost entirely to a uh, to the German cultural tradition, um, to the past, but with the aim of not making contemporary music but future music, yeah, um, creating a kind of new unheard sound. Um, that sounded like uh, the future of music, how music would sound in the future, which was, of course, ridiculed at the time and um, dismissed, or they were not as popular as anglophones with hindsight, think, at the time. They had a pretty hard time initially in Germany. Um, with this idea, but then funnily enough, um, it all worked out and it proved true. Um, And indeed, um, the music of the future, synth-pop of the 80s, techno music of the 90s, etc., all of that was, well, we can't say, strictly speaking, invented, because there are always, of course, more influences that come together and um, all these other electronic music strains, uh, strands, were of course not directly hundred percent only possible because of Kraftwerk, but to a large degree they were. But and in any case, they came first. They were the first to have this idea, um, to make pop music with electronic means. And yeah. it
0: out. and another another kind of strand of their influence you didn't explicitly mention there is their influence on hip hop. I, I mean, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, an, an album like Grandmaster Flash and Furious Fives, The Message. I definitely hear a lot of work both in the kind of beats on that album and on the use of kind of synthesized vocoder uh, vocal yeah. stylings as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, again, we, we need to be careful in not saying it was only possible because of Kraftwerk or this is or all these types of, again, mostly African-American music are just an imitation of, mm-hmm. of, of German music. Of course, it's not that... Um, easy or that's far too simplified but it's a cultural merger and that's um, the other aspect that I try to stress in the book, what we academics call the transnational aspect which is slightly different to to the usual meaning of the word international. The transnational um, is something that um, does not take national borders or cultural borders or borders of any kind into account but argues that cultural transfer. Are always not one directional, but multi, multi well, not only multi, multi directional, as in a network, but also to and fro, feedback um, mm-hmm. effect type of thing. So that in in how music, and particularly how music travels, um, is or music is obviously the, the most Easy or the most suitable means to um, travel transnationally because well, it's not that much t- uh, tied to, to a, a nationalist idea such as language is um, something that can transcend borders, can transcend cultural. Um, uh, lines and and creates a kind of hybridized culture. And that's exactly what happened in the area of uh, electronic music because, yeah, it traveled to... Kraftwerk's music traveled to New York, to Detroit, um, but what um, the people who kind of listened to it there... Um, and then made out of it what they created, the hybridized version, then traveled back as well and um, created inspired German techno, German hip hop, etc. So um, it's, it's always a kind of um, yeah. idea of, of cultural flow, of kind of circular types of directions of travel, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the ways that they kind of uh, asserted their their Germanness was singing in German, which you write was pretty uncommon for German groups at the time. They would often sing in English or another group. And, and Kraftwerk also recorded in English, and, and I think also in like French and Spanish and, and a, a whole number of European languages. Are there significant differences between their English and their German recordings, for example?
1: Mm, not in terms of the music. The music's always the same. Um, uh, but but um, the German lyrics tend to be more extensive. Um, so obviously the English version, the English translations are a translation. But you can never sort of literally translate because if they're song lyrics, they're, um, the the sound, not the sound of the voice, but um, how the voice, how the words move, yeah, that that needs to fit to the music. And if you take a kind of literal translation that. Often would not make any sense. Sometimes they were alluding to specifically German things that you could not, as such, translate because, like, um, the what is called inland revenue, I think, in your country, Um, so the tax collecting body, Mm -hmm. um, the Finanzamt is German, um, and Finanzamt und das BKA, if you translate that, the Inland Revenue Service and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, um, it doesn't. Only not only does it not sound right, it also sort of suggests they sing about America, which they aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you would have to translate uh, the police body or something like that. And, and then these type of things that didn't work, um, they just skipped. Um, so the English versions are sometimes a bit poorer, they're lacking a kind of, um, well, depth or um, elements that are there in the German, but um. I don't. I wouldn't say that um, English speakers miss out on a lot, or that this impacts badly on 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 the music. What I would rather stress are two things, namely that indeed, as you hinted at, that was revolutionary. That a German band sang in German. I mean, that was their sort of that embodied their Germanness. This brave decision to conceive of pop music other than in um, English language. Even like Spanish or Italian or Portuguese pop bands at the time uh, were all singing in English and most German pop bands were singing in English because that was the gold standard or that's the big model that was imitated. Um, And Kraftwerk really dared to go uh, to do this, take the step of singing in German on german things like the autobahn yeah so um that is the kind of very very german version of an an american music dealing with route 66 or or um cliches about the highway um and so on Um, so that, that was also something that um, is important to understand. And then we hinted at that um, to some extent when I ex- tried to explain with um, everything German being tainted, being contaminated due to the Nazis, Germans would n- naturally look or take an internationalist European outlook. Mm-hmm. And to craft that also, um, after the kind of German phase um, where they focused specifically on Germany, German things. Um, their third album is called Trans Europa Express. So they, there you have it. There's the European dimension, the traveling, the traveling that what I talked about, how music travels, how people travel, communication, exchange, brightening, and 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 opening up one's horizon via travel, the to and fro of of movement. Um, all of that is in there already. Um, and this European idea, this idea that I mean. Now with another war um, going on in Europe on the eastern fringes of Europe, after more than 70 years of peace, um, that we would after the Second World War we would need to build a unified. Or the young generation wanted to build a unified, culturally unified Europe, and also politically unified Europe. For the simple reason that um, such kinds of bonds, cultural, political, economical, um, prevent the outbreak of war, a repeat of Mm -hmm. the barbarities of 19th century um, history, which was obviously highly... Um, characterized by, by war. And uh, so that has the, this European outlook was uh, also a political statement for um, and And not least to counteract these kinds of suspicions that they sing in German, so they must be Nazi nationalist mm-hmm. type of people, um, Kraftwerk moved more and more towards uh, the use, not just sort of English was just a, a clever uh, commercial move to open up new markets, of course, but to involve French, the French language, the Spanish language, Italian, etc., cetera, um, to finally sort of um, don't have a language, but, but to sing in, uh, you would have an album like Technopop. Electric Café, we sung in, uh, let's call it European, because all the European languages feature in there, one way or other. Or the final album, 2003, Tour de France, as the title says, sung entirely in French. So that are also um, political statements. And yeah, so that much for the use of language in Kraftwerk.
0: That's one of the aspects of krautwerk that seems very prescient or, you know, almost prophetic in, in the time, that the way that they kind of grounded their German identity in a broader European identity, and they kind of saw that, you know, in the future, Germany is going to be important primarily because it's kind of one of the central, most powerful countries within the European Union and within this kind of broader European system. Would you say that that was... Was I, I, I don't know this history as well as you do. Would you say that that was sort of ahead of their time in that
1: way? Mm, not necessarily. In, in the beginning, in the early, in the late 60s, in the early 70s, possibly, but um, I mean, w- what you just described is sort of what I would, would um, associate with that is the 80s, the 90s, and the noughts mm-hmm. maybe, so the later period when they basically stopped making music, that Germany became kind of unofficial political leader of um, Europe in terms of being the most sort of economically powerful um, nation or politically influential um, if you if you take into consideration that um, up until 89, 1989, Germany was divided, um, there wasn't much political weight. Um, we didn't have any sort of... Um, nuclear. Up to problem up to today now, we don't have any nuclear weapons unlike the French, unlike the English, no? because the sort of uh, natural German reluctance to um, possess kind of weapons of mass destructions following the actual mass destruction and genocide that we wrote on Europe for 12 years. Um, so I think... Um, Ooh, it's highly ambivalent Craftwork stance in Germany is highly ambivalent and it changes all the time and it is difficult to pinpoint down exactly because um, we're talking on a podcast of performing art and um, their inter. Normally, you would refer to interviews. You would um, same as you uh, would find out the political opinion of of a, of a regular cultural person or politician by interviewing them. Kraftwerk would not speak out what they were actually thinking, but the interviews were also performances. They mm-hmm. were playing a role and they were um, uh, telling people lies they were evading certain questions they were stressing certain elements particularly in the mid-1970s when they had their big breakthrough in America and um, did all these interviews with American with the American music press they sort of came up with one Teutonic Germanic cliche after another they played the role of the yeah well not Nazi but the The machine like German Teutonic type of person who, as Lester Banks could put it um, could put their finger on the button to start the next world war or something like that whereas in Germany um, they would um, interview very differently and, and and make political statements from time to time and, and and would essentially it's like two two different types of craft work and who knows how they interviewed in French unfortunately I don't speak French well enough to Read the French interviews, but um, that was always part of Kraftwerk's performance off stage that they played a certain role and they tried to um, foster a particular image um, of them that would set them apart from the rest of of the bunch. Mm Um, and, and interviews were, what, scarcity of interviews and um, then actual interviews that would be the sort of way how they communicated, how they create the brand image, if you like, yeah? the corporate identity. And and so uh, everything in, in what they say in interviews has to be taken with a grain of salt.
0: One of the other... Things that their kind of visual presentation reminds me of is the sort of early Soviet communist avant-garde, you know, thinking about the kind of red and black, very stark kind of futurist uh, aesthetic on on uh, Trans Europa Express, especially Um I believe that. Oh, I guess I'm more thinking of Man Machine, right? That's the one with the red and black. Yeah, um, w- was that was that material the kind of Russian futurism, Russian constructivism stuff? Was absolutely. that an influence on Kraftwerk?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely, and and clearly, and um, not even a, a hidden one um, because um, they sort of uh, advertised that on the back of Man Machine, uh, inspired by L. Lissitzky, and I've spoken to the designer of the um, album. Cover album artwork. Uh, a very nice bloke who told me that he always had this visit uh, by the by Florian Schneider and uh, Ralph Hutter, who came in a big Mercedes, and and all the neighbors were looking. Who, who are these kind of rich people with their expensive car visiting poor Carl? Uh, Carl Kleebish was his name, and and they brought him um, sort of these coffee table type of books uh, with um, Russian suprematist art and said so we want something like this and then indeed he designed something like this um, and you just mentioned the sort of striking red and black color scheme um, that um, is, is so kind of reminiscent of of Soviet art of Elisitsky um, you didn't mention um, the color white um, which also feels features, not that prominently, but it's those three, it's a clear sort of um, color-coded um, image that obviously tries to speak to you, that kind, tries to um, alert the onlooker to the fact that it's just three colors in a kind of very bo- emboldened way. Um, and these three colors are the colors of the Nazi flag, um, which is um, the white flag with the black uh, with the red circle and the black swastika in the middle. And it's also the the three colors that feature um, on um, the imperial flags of the German Empire from started in 1871. So um, it's so it, these things are so clever, and Kraftwerk was so. Um, great great in their ambivalence the same way as I, I tried to explain that they were ambivalent about the German identity. also visually they sent out this message yeah this this looks really like, communist at the sort of high point of the cold war mm-hmm. of um, a paranoia gripping West German society about a communist inspired left-wing terrorist group, the Red Army faction. Um, so at, at, at this point, point in time and doing an album that uh, does so clearly and explicitly allude to revolutionary Bolshevik communist art futurist in a way and eh? uh from a futurist period of art uh on the one hand but also smuggling in with hardly anyone noticing and i for, for me it took like decades before i noticed before i realized what i was actually looking at mm-hmm. um also the color code of the nazi flag um that is so clever and 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 um yeah That's, in a way, that was one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because there's so much more. There's such a depth, such a cultural historical depth and and also sort of art historical or general, let's call it general cleverness to Kraftwerk um, that really... Um, makes them into so much more than just a pop music group, or mm-hmm. the lucky ones who had this idea that they came up with electronic music but didn't make much out of it, or whatever. Um, on the contrary, yeah? so I think um, that there's so there's so many interesting layers to Kraftwerk and so much depth that um, it would warrant a book exploring few of these aspects
0: yeah they're sort of the like ultimate art school band in a way (laughs) you know there's so much you can you can talk about in terms of the kind of art historical context of what they're up to um i'd like to ask you a little bit more about the actual sound of of the music um do you think it's I, i i came up with this little formula let me see how you what you think of this if punk rock was trying to strip rock down to its essentials, is it? Do you think it's fair to say that Kraftwerk was trying to take away what's often been considered the essentials of rock music and kind of see what was left
1: over? Mm, yeah. yeah well, well, yes, yes. Um, I'm I'm only sort of a bit hesitant to agree to um, your reference to punk rock and and sort of musical developments that uh, came up later before mm-hmm. they invented um, their concept Um, they certainly try to let's rather stick with the Rolling Stones I think Mm -hmm. um, uh, to use that traditional model of of a rock band um, uh, in terms of sort of um, stress on 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 the body, on the male body, on the performer, the sex object in front of the stage, the clearly um, the clearly sort of um, nominated front man uh, who is always the singer. Um, plus these kind of uh, contributing roles, the drummer always at the back, and then the other guitarists right and left. And so this take this formula away and do it into something completely different because Mm -hmm. Kraftwerk always were, Ralf um, and Florian, Hütter and Schneider, so they were always a duo. Um, But they came up with the idea to, well, first of all, come up with a band name, uh, a German word for that matter, cleverly the word for power station, i.e. the very place where electricity would be generated, electricity that would kind of drive their instruments, Um, and these instruments were not, well, the sort of electronic music instruments. I.e., no drums, no guitars. Do away with the instrumentation of rock and roll. Um, and even though there were two guys running the show, um, employ two other guys, uh, rip them sort of rip them off by paying them badly, <laughs> and um, but make sure that you have four people on stage because a, a, a pop band needs four people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but. On the other hand, um, no frontman. There's, there's inevitably there needs to be a singer, but uh, that singer is positioned um, as a kind of sort of um, solution, stopgap solution on the left-hand side. So certainly not in the middle. Um, and and, and um, obviously the lineup um, or stage design varied, but for for the vast majority of time, the four Kraftwerk people were standing in one line. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the line frontal, um, and and, and there's, there was no people at the back, people more to the front, but a, a row of four people. Uh, and now uh, these days sort of not playing any instruments, but having consoles and apparently pushing buttons or doing whatever uh, on the console. Yeah? And, 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 and that I find is so incredibly clever mm-hmm. um, to... Take away all these individual roles, and with these roles, go away um, all this disassociated business. Because you know about Mick Jagger being in his whatever now late seventies and marrying an, uh, yet another his fifth or tenth um, forty years younger model, and how Keith Richards is dabbling in drugs, etc. So you know, and even if it's just a promotional machine to keep them uh, sort of in 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 the media, you know about the people, the backgrounds, you who... Um treat them as pop stars and obviously see them as something else because you, we, we all lead our boring lives and they have um, uh, some sort of villas on the Bahamas or whatever. And with craft it's exactly different. We don't know anything about these four people. We don't need to know about groupies. Um, not that they probably would have any now. At the time, of course, they did. Um, we don't get to know whether they're married or gay or having children or not. Yeah? So this this is so clever to study the conventional model of pop music of a rock music band, mm-hmm. and then um, only sort of copy what is absolutely necessary, the bare minimums, bare minimum, and then um, do always the exact opposite in a way, and see where that takes you. What would you need to do to create the utmost sort of opposition to the traditional? Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, for example, Florian Schneider was playing the flute. Um, so obviously, the flute had to go because it's like a traditional instrument. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the guitar um, wasn't even allowed. Um, there's this famous quote uh, from, of Ralph Hütter, where he said, We don't have. Um, we don't have guitars because guitars are an instrument of the Middle Ages. Um, and they, he was um, alluding, obviously, to this German Minnesänger tradition. Uh, I can't think of the English word. So these people, it's like and, a lute
0: or like a like a traveling bard, is kind of uh, the. yeah,
1: absolutely. This type of isn't there isn't a specific word. So these people would play like their um, 15th century guitar type of thing and sing mm-hmm. love poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's so the guitar is an instrument of the Middle Ages. That's why we won't have any. We have the instruments of the future, and uh-huh. indeed they were right. Yeah? they have machines, and, and at some point computers. They were indeed, um, yeah, for conceptual things. It was such a heavy conceptual, a clever conceptual thinking, and 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 that's how they arrived at their formula
0: another um difference between them and punk rock even though they both had that kind of uh you know minimalist aesthetic in a way and kind of puncturing these kind of rock and roll myths but uh, you know in in punk rock the idea was you could go and buy a guitar from a pawn shop and learn three chords and you were you are off to the races whereas work, you're right about buying consoles of synthesizers that cost like a million dollars Absolutely. <laughs> so it's, it is not music that you can make in your garage with your money on the weekends or something you know this, this is a high-tech uh you know business and and, and the enough. fact that they were from you know very well off backgrounds i think florian schneider's father was like a successful architect who had designed uh, you know airports and stuff like that uh that's that's kind of key to the story of of the band that they were able to to be a, a pioneer because they were able to buy these very early versions of you know synthesizers and drum machines that cost you know exorbitant amounts of money absolutely yeah yeah
1: yeah. Uh, I mean obviously these days um, you, you get the software any kid uh, or you you not don't only need a or you there's no computer you need anymore no laptop you can now create your music on on a, on a phone obviously with the software so um, this mm-hmm. electronic music uh, formula has been um, democratized in a way um, but yeah, yeah to come back to the point um, you are absolutely right it it was fortunate um, that they had the money at their disposal thanks to their upbringing, thanks to their um, parents and family backgrounds. And uh, with that money, as always, and in, in each society, sadly, comes education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they also had this kind of art historical backgrounds and um, all these uh, sort of knowledge about expressionist film, etc. And um, the two of them didn't need a day job, yeah? but they could actually, being sport brand. Uh, from upper class <laughs> families, they could pursue what they wanted to do most, and that was music. Yeah, a kind of um, um, profession that doesn't, in in in, in 99% of cases, uh, doesn't allow you to earn a living with it. So they could afford to experiment and or to sort of do music because uh, they they had this financial security and um, they could afford to experiment and. Uh, Um, You said, um, this this, this is t T-shirt example of the punk, young aspiring punk rock musician who just practices in the garage. Um, In in effect, they did exactly the same because they had these machines, but they had no clue what to do with them. They didn't come with manuals. There um, wasn't uh, any model because nobody else was making music with them. So they had the money to afford um, the latest... um, synthesizer there's one of those the i've forgotten the exact name simply blah 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 um when that came on the market and they had one the, one of one of the very first machines which they sort of flew to london to buy it but it didn't come with a manual um so you had to tinker around you had to play to experiment and 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 sort of find your feet and and um try to come up with new sounds and then kind of organize these sounds into music. And I'm not sure if these stories are true, but um, I guess they were at least for a certain period in the band career where they would indeed spend all day just, you know, playing around, improvising in the studio, trying to figure out, see what fits, um, playing in a kind of jazz-type way, improvised music, and out of this improvisation... Um, then over time some sort of lucky moments happened where it sort of all of a sudden fit and that's what is sort of um, similar to the way how Khan operated Mm -hmm. Uh, then they would take that bit from, from the tape or sort of via improvisation see how out of chaos a certain structure a certain melody develops and that's at least what they claim and to some extent Karl Bartos um, describes um, that process in his autobiography so that's how craftwork worked apparently
0: mm-hmm. you, you mentioned can briefly there could you could you talk about kind of what their relationship was to the other you know great german bands of the 70s you know i'm thinking of 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 can um, but but there was there's that whole kind of craftwork scene uh, or not not craftwork scene uh uh, crowd Rock scene, yeah, similar words there. That's why I got confused. <laughs> Could you talk about kind of were they were they kind of uh, sharing ideas with these other musicians? Were they were they friends? Did, did they tour together? What what was their relationship to those other oh, bands?
1: Only I think in the within the most sort of limited local. Um, networks um, because one of these um, aspects of Germany unlike France unlike England um, we don't have this one big capital where um, um, obviously everyone who where the music business is and the, the venues are so any young musician who wants to make music naturally sort of gravitates towards the center. It's in a way similar to the states yeah? so that you would have sort of more federalist regional structure mm-hmm. and 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 certain cities indeed where kind of critical mass developed um like Munich like Düsseldorf thanks to Kraftwerk um uh, or Hamburg or whatever um but only because of certain bands, and now because you so they were um, they didn't perceive themselves as a crowd rock unified crowd rock movement. I think they shared lots of um, mm-hmm. the same ideas about um, creating a new German identity, about um, striving for a um, kind of better future, and, and so from from this mindset, I think they are pretty similar, and, and in that sense, in this 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 interest in experimentation and the interest in picking up um, foreign outside influences and in that they kind of shared the same type of platform or thinking mm-hmm. but um, crowd rock music is so diverse um, that already sort of tells you that, that there was no kind of musical collaboration or friendship or, or exchange in that sense um so that's one thing um and and even if you say um how about the electronic music scene um yeah okay occasionally kind of in the early days a certain very expensive synthesizer uh, was sold by one band and then bought by another musician Mm -hmm. so in a way yeah they must have met when they sold them the machine uh, or something like that (laughs) um but they didn't play together or there is no sort of great um, collaborative album as such. It, I'm, I'm excluding now Harmonia, Cluster, uh, Noise. So th- there were certain overlaps, but only to a limited degree. Um, it's just that from, from with hindsight, from today's perspective, um, right. and, and from our kind of mindset that we think... Um, everyone must know anybody else working in the same um, area anyway, because you meet at this kind of certain gatherings or or certain venues. That wasn't the case in Germany at the time. We had no internet where you could just quickly drop off an email or or get to know um, colleagues from Hamburg or Frankfurt or whatever, Munich, that way. And even those electronic bands, um, the electronic branch of um, crowd rock, they sounded so differently that's so. Different uh, diverse approaches. And as we started this off with you mentioning Cannes, Cannes were from Cologne. Cologne is what 30 kilometers, uh, 20 miles from Dusseldorf or so, maybe 30 miles, I'm not sure. Um, so pretty close. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but still, even um, can and CrowdRock, there were no overlaps. Yeah. So, um, everyone at the time worked pretty much on their own. And um, I think it's for the better of the music. Um, it was each and every band had their own individualist approach. And um, by definition, inevitably uh, created some sort of unique sound. Un- mm-hmm had Some sort of singular quality about them because it was less the type of exchange collaborative idea, mm-hmm. with some exceptions of course, but generally yeah. speaking, yeah. So craftwork had, oh, sorry,
0: yeah, craftwork had quite a few albums. I, I as one of my last questions that I'd like to ask, you know, if people are interested in kind of hearing some Kraftwerk music, Where? what's the starting point you would recommend? I mean, I, I think obviously, you know, their first couple of albums aren't even in print, so you shouldn't just go collo- uh, chronologically. But where would you suggest somebody kind of dip their toe into the Kraftwerk catalog? Uh, yeah, I,
1: hate that, I hate that question. Um, because as <laughs> okay, I- next question. <laughs> <laughs> you get another very long-winded reply. Um, okay. Or maybe not. Um, so if you would like me to... Well, with a quick uh, reply, Mike. My, my recommendation is the album. And first of all, you should you you have to have by definition uh, listen to an entire album by Kraftwerk because. Mm-hmm all um, albums are concept albums so uh, it's less about as these young people put uh, playlists together from streaming platforms uh, no 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 you have to listen to an entire album because it's a work a total work of art in itself complete with the cover artwork and, and other things um, so I always tell people to start with radioactivity mm. Um um, second um, second album after they kind of um, denied and 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 cut off the first three albums. So in actually album number five, but uh, officially the, the discography starts with uh, the fourth album, Autobahn. So um, because Radioactivity was my first album and I found it so utterly weird, it was completely <laughs> different to anything else i had listened to at the time which was deep purple and abba um, and um, i was fascinated by its oddity by its Mm -hmm. being completely strange Um, and uh, yeah and so i think that is where you can actually hear this type of quality that to me um defines craftwork this spirit of inventiveness this 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 attempt to move away as far as possible um from from the standard formula Mm -hmm. um and um i guess from and I, i i don't have any favorite album okay I'm bored by Autobahn. I'm bored by the model, but that's because I've listened to it thousands of times and because Mm -hmm. they are the evident choices. Um sometimes I prefer computer world, sometimes I prefer techno pop.
0: Yeah. I think I like computer world the best, largely because of the part where they sing uh, by pushing in a special key it plays a little melody. (laughs) I could I could listen to that all day. I think that's one of the most charming five seconds in pop music. (laughs) <laughs> um, finally, could I, could I ask you what you're working on these days? What what projects do you have coming up?
1: Uh, so many, so many, but um, um, probably no other. I, I, well, let me talk about a project I've just finished, um, which is an edited volume. Um, The Cambridge, Cambridge companion to CrowdRock. So for Cambridge University Press, we're probably the top academic press in the Anglophone world um i, I call him like that because i'm now uh, author of them um <laughs> so i've done uh, a with um, a, a large number of british German and American contributors and friends um i've done the kind of um, primer introduction uh, at the same time an academic reader on crowd rocks so um uh, three large sections the first some sort of uh, context historical context Context and other sorts of background um, to the crowd rock um, era. Then the large uh, main part, the second, comprises some, ooh, is it 13 or 14 uh, mm. bands, the major bands, starting off with uh, a chapter on craft work written by me, followed by a chapter on Can, written by a British colleague, etc. So we have this sort of a best-of collection, if you like, of uh, crowd rock bands. Um, And then in the third and final part, um, I uh, investigate the the legacy of crowd rock, so which um, musical developments and movements were influenced by crowd rock. Um, And that covers uh, American music, that covers British music, um, that covers um, crowd rock imitating bands um, of today. So um, there's also sort of a variety here. Um, And that was the project um, that uh, is currently, well, awaiting proof stage. So that should be out um, and ready to buy for, I think, uh, roughly $20, $25 um, next year. Um and um, we obviously the 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 reason why you are uh, why we're talking today is the this this penguin um introduction to craftwork and uh, obviously I tried to find a German publisher for that. And I've indeed found one and agreed with him that um, we wait until 2024 um, because that is 50 years of Autobahn. yeah. So the official beginning mm. of the Kraftwerk discography. Um, so I kind of... Uh, I'm I'm not hesitate to to describe the self translate uh, my book. Um, um, Obviously, it's not just that I uh, kind of uh, rewrite it in German, but um, that um, I'm going to change it, overhaul it to a large degree, Um, focusing a bit more on autobahn, obviously, because that's. the sort of um, anniversary that the book is tied to, uh, and and my first draft of of this Penguin book was organized thematically, and I love that thematic structure. I thought it's so clever, um, for various reasons. Um, uh, but but Penguin didn't like the thematic approach, um, so I had uh, in a way not to rewrite but to completely restructure, involving a lot of rewrite in parts um, it chronologically and so uh, also differentiate it and not making it look like a a German translation of a book so that the Germans still have kind of uh, incentive to buy it. I shall return to the thematic structure and obviously it will be updated Um, and the major sort of sad sad news is of course the death of Florian Schneider uh, now two years ago Mm. So, um, putting in a way an 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 end to um the sort of great duo uh, like the McCartney, Lennon McCartney, Jagger Richards, Hutter uh, Schneider duo. So it's only Ralph Hutter at the moment, and he's in his early seventies. So. Um, what that means obviously is also clear to anyone of course Um, he won't be around for another 20 years or uh, will probably not necessarily be in a health situation where he can perform in 10 years so the clock is ticking on work in a way inevitably of course but then on the other hand it's amazing I think that 50 years more than 50 years uh, in in two years time after you kind of had your breakthrough you are still going on an extensive or going on a basic never ending tour Dylan type. Yeah? So um, next year, the twice postponed, big, 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 whatever, 34, whatever um, gig tour of America so that you can still sort of see Kraftwerk some 20, 30 times per year in Europe um, and <laughs> Um, Next year, again, in the biggest ever German concert in Bonn, again, twice postponed due to COVID. Um, So it's amazing that they're still going. Um, Majority of Cannes members have died. Um, Many other sort of leading Kraftwerk luminaries died like 10, 20 years ago. But Kraftwerk sort of, um, in a way... Um, live up to that promise that we are the man machine, yeah, the robot, um, because mm-hmm. um, they seem to be indestructible. Yeah, and they keep <laughs> going. And um, seeing them live these days is of is, is no kind of old people's entertainment or a or, or kind of nostalgia show where some kind of Vegas show where some old former star is paraded for. Um, the enjoyment of other people at their age, but um, it really draws a a, a mixed um, audience in terms of age and, and, and these Kraftwerk concerts are just blowing anybody who sees them for the first time away, like they did in my case. Well, be sure to see Kraftwerk if they come to your town, listener. Uh, Uwe Schütte, thanks so much
0: for talking with us about Kraftwerk, future music from Germany. I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Yeah, me too. Thank you very much for having me.